Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Melanie C. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 30th, 2017, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting of a vision for you big book study. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page XXVIII, paragraph 4, and we will be reading it, that paragraph in its entirety and we will focus on the last three sentences of that paragraph for our share of experience, strength, and hope. Today's readers are Sheil B for the 12 Steps, Peggy M for the 12 Traditions, and readers today of the text will be Gina R and Jody EQ. The reference numbers we call share ID numbers. For yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that would be Wednesday, November 29th, is 10727. 10727. And then the share ID number for this morning's meeting, that would be the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, 10737. 10737. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Sheil B. to read the 12 steps. Star one, please. Can I be heard? Yeah, hello. Yes, oh good. She'll be compulsive overeater from New Hampshire. Uh, here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Shieldy. I will now ask Peggy M. to please read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. Thank you, Mel, for your service. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. 
a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, Peggy Ann. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the one speaking, should be muted at all times. Today, we resume our study of the big book, and we are on page XXVIII, fourth paragraph, Men and Women Drink Essentially. We'll read one paragraph only, please, today in its entirety. And then our comments of experience will focus on three sentences only, beginning, they are restless, irritable, and discontent, through conclusion of that paragraph, which is very little hope of his recovery. I will now ask Gina R. to begin our reading and study discussion. Hi, Gina. Thank you, Mel. Thank you so much for your continued faith-filled service. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona. Men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that, while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented, unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. After they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do, and the phenomenon of craving develops, they pass through the well-known stages of a spree, emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to drink again. This is repeated over and over, and unless the person can experience an entire psychic change, there is very little hope of his recovery. Start my timer. And... Before I go into my comments, I just want to especially welcome any newcomers on the line who may be coming off of uh, a Thanksgiving bout where you are remorseful and can't believe that you did it again and 
um, wondering if you can change and if you decide to give up and just go on through the rest of the holidays, there is hope. And that is exactly what this paragraph is talking about. Um, I learned uh, when I began these, uh, listening to this particular unfiltered message on how the big book works that I basically didn't grow up knowing how to properly handle the buildup of normal daily human emotion. I didn't know how to handle uh, being angry or content or anything in between. I um, just simply could not handle emotions. And so uh, food was a way for me to um, check out of those emotions. And then um, I also learned in this process for me that food was like a performance enhancement drug for me. It was the way I plowed through um, things in my life that I needed to get done. And for many years, I had some success. But um, it stopped working. And that's what I now understand uh, one of the stages of the spree is, is it starts to break down. And for me, this time around, um, in May of 2016, Instead of uh, the spree just breaking down and then me building it back up with um, my firm resolution not to do it again, I actually picked up these steps and began to understand that if I was going to have a psychic change, I had to submit myself to a process and to the input of people um, where that change could be affected. And today, I'm happy to say that the way I think, the way I feel, and the way I react toward others is night and day different. I am not completely self-absorbed with who I am, what I want, and what I want you to do because I know best. I am actually able to yield to a power greater than myself and know that if I will submit myself to prayer and meditation and the uh, spirit of compassion, I will be of service to people, and then other things in my life will just simply unfold and work themselves out, and I will be effective in helping shine the light for others on how this works and on how you too can trudge along with us. Thank you so much for um, making this meeting available and the opportunity to provide service. I pass. Thank you, Gina R. And now we're in the sharing portion of the meeting and I'll open the lines for folks that would like to comment on those last three sentences of paragraph four. Karen T. Shawnee B. Reggio. Mary K. from Los Angeles. Okay. Anybody else? I follow. Hi. Good morning. I have Karen. Hi, Ashley. I have Karen. Mary H. Reggie, Marin K., Paula D., Ashley, and then Mary, what was the first initial? Oh, Mary, same thing. I got you already. Thanks. Yeah, good. Oh. Okay. Mary. Well, there's two Marys, I think, you got this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Marin K. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. Anyone else, real quick? Okay, we'll go with that then. We have Karen T. Gotcha, Sherry. Shawnee, Reggie, Mary K, Paula D, Ashley, Mary H, and Sherry KB, if I got that correct. Good morning, Karen. Hello. Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Great. Hi, my name is Karen. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Louisiana. And um, I love this paragraph. Love it, love it, love it. Um, we had an idea day here in Louisiana. And we spent the first half an hour on just this paragraph. Um, it's so important. Uh, people have been saying it's one of the foundation paragraphs of step one. And I totally agree. So restless, irritable, and discontented unless we can, ex- again, experience a sense of ease and comfort. That comes at once by taking a few bites. So I... My mind, when before I was recovered, you know, it would it would just I need the food, I need that. I couldn't think of nothing else. And the 
the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder arguing in my mind, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I, really shouldn't this time, I really shouldn't. I, but I want it, but I want this, but I want this, but I really shouldn't, but it's going to make everything better. No, it's not. Better, better, that back and forth. And that is one of the definitions for me of restless, irritable, and discontented. Restless, irritable, and discontent. I, I, I should, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't. And honestly, I can remember one time I finally did give in and eat the food. And there was peace just because I wasn't fighting that should I, shouldn't I anymore. Right? It was gone because I decided yes. But every time I said no, I'm not going to, the fight would continue. So that is the obsession for me. All that happened before I took the first compulsive bite. And that is the obsession. That feeling restless, irritable, and discontent. Because my mind can only think about the ease and comfort that comes. And can't seem to remember that I really don't want to do it. Or it remembers and I'm fighting. And what the big book promises is that will fight will no longer happen. There are still foods that I can't eat, but if I'm in a recovered state and I stay in fit spiritual condition, that fight never happens. There's no longer that terrible, terrible chatter in my brain. An analogy that I've been using recently that people really like, and I did not make this up, I think I heard it on Vision, is that if I have a bunch of choices of what to do in a situation, and they're sitting on a nice table, and food is one of the choices, excess food or my compulsive food behaviors, is one of those choices on the table of what I can do. I can't see any other choice on that table. All I can see is the food choice. So somehow with a higher power, with these steps and with the tools and sponsors and friends, I have to get that food choice off the table. The food choice is no longer an issue, but no longer a choice. And then I can see on the table my other choices. So, um, but as long as the food's a choice, my mind can't see other choices. So thank you so much for spending these days on this paragraph. And I'm so grateful that I got to be one of the people. Thank you. I best. Thank you. Let's see. Shawnee B. And then, Reggie, if you want to get ready to follow Shawnee. Thank you. Good morning, Shawnee. Hi. <clears throat> Hi. Good morning. Thank you so much. This is Shawnee B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, you know, I didn't really understand the cycle of addiction that it's explaining here until I came in and read the doctor's opinion. And um, it really spoke true to me. I found that in my experience, um, I wasn't able to accept life on life's terms. Things happened to me, and it caused me to be restless. Sometimes I was irritable. I was angry. I was frustrated. I was discontent, just not happy with the way things were with my life, with the things around me. Um, And I needed to experience some sense of ease and comfort. And I, you know, I would go to that sense of ease and comfort from lots of different things. But my main thing that I went to was food because that always seemed to work for a couple of seconds. Everything was just okay. And um, that ease and comfort came at once from taking a couple of bites of the foods that I so badly wanted um, to eat because they made me feel better of that effect that we talked about yesterday. And, um, and, you know, I would see people, other people do this, and they wouldn't have the consequences that I got. They can, they can take a couple of bites of, of cake and feel, feel a little bit better, but they didn't have the consequences that I did. Like it says here, the phenomenon of craving develops because I am a compulsive overeater. And this, this paragraph explains that I am a compulsive overeater because I get this phenomenon of craving. I put these foods into my body and they react in a way that causes this unsatiable desire for more and more and more that just doesn't get filled and to a point where I'm not enjoying what I'm eating anymore. I started eating it because of the enjoyment that I got. Sometimes that lasted a bite or two, even a whole piece of cake or whatever it is, but the enjoyment went away and at some point I was eating just because I had a craving that I needed more and more. So it didn't matter if it didn't, if it didn't taste good anymore. It didn't matter if it uh, fell on the floor and was covered in, in uh, you know, a piece, pieces of dirt. It, 
I was eating to um, to fill this this physical craving that I couldn't overcome. And then I would feel terrible, and I would say, "What in the world did you just do to yourself? You know that the you know what the consequences of eating so much is. You know that you're going to be gaining weight. You know that you're going to feel disgusting. You know that you're not going to be able to be present and play with your kids like you want to physically." Um, unable to do things that I wanted to do. And I would, I would say enough is enough. I'm not going to do this again. And then the next day I'd wake up and do it over and over again. And I needed an entire psychic change. And um, how blessed I am that I came into this room and heard that there is a solution, that it's possible to change my way of thinking that I don't need to go to the food anymore. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Shawnee B. Reggie, oh, you're next. And then Mary Kay, you'll go in, go in after Reggie. Hey, good morning, Melanie. Thank you so much for your service this morning and everybody who's on the line. Um, I'm Reggie O, gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And boy, this is one powerful paragraph, you know, and I have to be honest over time when I've read this paragraph, just, you know, out of context or something, I just really didn't get it. But it's, uh, I could understand it intellectually, but somehow it didn't make any sense to me. And, uh, but boy, it certainly does now. And I, you know, that, that sense of ease and comfort, that sensation I remember once I stopped eating a long time ago, eating compulsively in, in OA, I uh, remembered the first, my first memory of compulsive eating was uh, I was like four years old or five years old or something in the backseat of mom and dad's car back. All the groceries were back there with me. We'd just gone shopping and uh, and I, all of a sudden I was in, you know, the, the white bread and the milk and I was guzzling milk and balling up piece after piece of white bread uh, and putting it in my mouth and eating it. Now, the the sensation and the ease and comfort that brought me was like I was in a whole another world. It was like it took me completely off the planet from where I was and put me in a total new level of consciousness. And it was it was you know felt what I thought then was just divine. And um, so that you know that that's and what a little while after that I guess this is significant too. Sometime after that I also remembered the moments before taking, you know, picking up the bread and the milk. And the moments before, I remember that little child felt a great deal of anxiety. And the bread and the milk somehow were the go-tos that completely relieved that and just about everything else that um, I felt. So, you know, as people have said in here, it's that anxiety that I felt, you know, that that whatever anxiety and whatever form that took that was the problem. It wasn't so much the food, except for the fact that I do have an allergy to certain things. And, you know, those are two of the things that I did have an allergy to. Um, So I, uh, I've gone through this over and over again. Uh, Thousands of times I've waked up, maybe thousands of times, probably I've awakened in the morning and thought to myself, you know, this is it. I know I'm not going to do it. You know, last night was it. I'm not going to eat again, but it was, after a while, and once I came into OA, uh, that was never a rev- resolution. I knew that I did not have the power of decision to do that, but I still had my magical thinking, <clears throat> and that was that I would wake up, and this time it would be different, you know, and sometimes it would be a half a day, sometimes a day, sometimes a week, but it would always bring me back uh, just over and over and over and over again until it took me farther and farther out of my life in every respect, and uh, and unless this a psychic change can happen, you know, there really is little hope and um, it's, and the psychic change does happen uh, in working the steps the way that we do and study it here in the big book. And that's the hope and the great gift. And uh, I'll pass with that. Thank you, Reggio. Mary Kay, you're next. And then Paula D, you'll be up right after Mary. Star one, Mary, are there? Marin, Mary? Well, Paula, are you available to go up next for now? Star one? I am, happily, may I add, and thank you for your service, Melanie. Thank you, Paula. You're very welcome. You know, it's it's funny, as I was sitting here listening to this, I said, oh, my goodness, just reading it, just reading it, up and down, in and out, a craving that's running after you, yet you're running after it. Hmm. Living it. Living it. You, we use the words, and I'll use the acronym, they are restless 
irritable and discontented. Life wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. Hmm. Restless, irritable. Why does that one behave like that? Discontented. Only seeing what I didn't have instead of I did. If you get the acronym, it's RID. R-I-D. I had to be rid of it, but I couldn't. This isn't a self-help program. It's a God-help program. I continue on to read, looking uh, looking at the, after they have succumbed to the desire again, as so many do. And we talked about the holidays that are before us and that were behind us. And you know the holiday, if you look in the middle, it's H-O-L-I, and that's what it was all about. It was supposed to be Y. Holy days that I changed to I. The meaning of the holiday became I instead of what it was meant to be. And then it goes on. They passed with a well-known, oh, how well we know them because they were so often. Not today. There can be no ending. There can be no beginning. May I clear that up without an ending? It says here, this is repeated over and over. Unless the person, oh, but look at, here's that spark. Here's the spark you see in the dark. Can this possibly happen? God help program. An entire psychic change. Oh, I understood psychic change. And I made my little efforts. So I thought in the right direction. I didn't really really see that they were always in my direction. Oh, we see it again. An entire psychic change. There is very little hope of recovery. How can I read this and see the hope there? Because an entire psychic change is possible. The one that created brought me to the place where I am today. Recovered, restored, given back what I always had, covered up by this disease. And the ego, ego in his place. Today I read this knowing I was, I am no longer. And that is where I will end. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula D. Ashley P., you're next, and then Sherry K.D. Star one, Ashley P. Hi, this is Ashley P., recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Not very well, Ashley. Are you on speaker or something? No, I have different headphones in. Hold on, let me try this. Okay. Well, Ashley, that's actually worse. Star one? You may have um, lost her in that readjustment. Sherry KB, can you fill in until she comes back? Oh, there you are, Ashley. Good morning, Melanie. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovered Compulsive by Reader. Thank you so much for your service, Melanie, and everybody on the line, and welcome newcomers. And Can you hear me? I can. Okay, good. Um, I, gosh, this, I read this, um, this particular paragraph constantly because I need to be reminded because I am a compulsive overeater. And, you know, just because I have the food down doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not in my disease. And this describes my disease perfectly. I'm restless, irritable, and discontent unless I can experience a sense of ease and comfort because being the addict I am, I'm addicted to ease and comfort. I want, I want peace. I want ponies. I want rainbows and pixie dust and all that stuff and unicorns inside. No, you know, I don't tell people that, but that's what I want. I'm always looking for that, that hit, that, that ease of comfort. And that's, that's my addiction right there. That's the... That's the noise between my ears. And what it's telling me is that if I put the food down, then the allergy is gone. But if I don't get into the step work, then the mental obsession will kick in and it will kick in that desire, which is the mental obsession, to succumb to, again, the desire to compulsively overeat. And I, if I get into this book and get into the steps, God removes the mental obsession. And without this, I, I can't do this work. I mean, I, being abstinent isn't enough. It's just a ticket in the door. 
and I had to learn that, you know, I have a twofold illness. And right now we're talking about the mental obsession. We have been have been talking about the physical allergy, but right here we're really talking about the mental obsession. And that's what's going to take me down faster than anything else. Um, and it's my job to put the food down, but it's also my responsibility to get into the step work so that God can remove the mental obsession because I can't. And if I don't stay in this work, I will succumb again to the desire. And so the only way that I can do this, and it tells me this, is that unless I have an experience, an entire psychic change, there's little hope for me. And so the entire psychic change is the 12 steps for me. Um, And to connect with a higher power and to get the ease and comfort um, with my higher power rather than going to the food because every time I work the steps, I work a 10, 11 step, I, it, it gets better and better. Every time I've ever gotten to the food, it's always gotten worse and worse and worse. And so this is telling me, this is telling me the crux of what goes on with me. And, you know, if I am white-knuckling abstinent, it's because I'm trying to do it by myself without my higher power's help and without these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sherry KB. Perhaps there was a Karen H, and I kept saying Mary H, that wanted to share. Uh, Melanie, this is Ashley. Um, Melanie? Yes. Oh, go ahead, Ashley. Well, I just wanted to make sure I didn't hear that wrongly, and I'll get the new ones later on, but let's go back to Ashley. I don't want to take too much time with my... My food pause here. Ashley, I can hear you wonderfully. Please go ahead. Okay. This is Ashley P. Recovered in Northern California, and thank you guys for being patient with me this morning. Um, this is really interesting because uh, I dreamed of relapse last night, which um, probably happens about once a week now, and it's I just have these terrible nightmares, um, and I wake up just completely shaken to my core by them. Um, and I, I think probably... I used to have a dream once a week about dying, uh, a really terrible nightmare. And, and these, these dreams where I'm relapsing, um, they're just as, as scary to me. Um, and it's because for me, it's the same thing to, to eat again is to die. Um, so I'm really grateful for these paragraphs, um, which remind me how it happens. Um, how is it that I, that I take that first bite and, or, and it's because I succumb to the craving. Um, and the first bite always leads me to the second bite. And in my case, that's a bite that's eating sugar. Um, but it's, it's also behaviors. It's, um, eating, eating in bed, um, eating in front of the television. It's, it's higher powering my weight and turning that into the most important thing in my life. Um, and as other people said, like, why, why would I do that? Why, why would I consistently do things that I know hurt me? And, and it's because in that moment, I'm looking for ease and, and comfort. And I can't feel that without engaging in those behaviors. Um, and also that I can't differentiate the true from the false because I actually believe in that moment that it'll be different this time if I restrict or if I eat sugar, I, I believe that my disease makes it so that I can't differentiate the true from the false. Um, so then the, the question is how, how does it end? How did this end for me? I had been doing this for 30 years. Um, and how it ended for me was that I sincerely asked for God's help. Um, and I began to work the steps and I worked them like, as people say on this line, like my hair is on fire. Um, and, and program became the foundational aspect of my life. And today I'm, I'm just so grateful because right now I'm experiencing a lot of discomfort in my life on basically a second to second basis. I'm pretty um, uncomfortable uh, from some physical things that are going on. Um, but luckily, my, my ease and comfort comes from my higher power today, um, not the food, which means that it's, it's always there for me. It's always available. Um, so thanks again for being patient. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. 
I think we have some things figured out. Mary H., are you there? Able to unmute? Mary H., are you looking for? I am. Melanie? Oh, I am. Okay, thank you, Melanie. This is very A little bit crackly. Okay, go ahead. A little bit crackly. Oh, I should Is it a little bit better? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm Mary H., recovered compulsive overeater from Northern California. And I wanted to uh, chime in here. What a, you know, important paragraph, of course, when... People call me and say, "What's your most, uh, what's your favorite paragraph in the doctor's opinion?" Oh, this is this would be one. And I wanted to focus in on the word "succumb," and what I've learned that's about is so important. It's uh, the definition of to yield to a superior force. And why um, disease looked like for a long time was that I would. Uh, when I was younger, I was able to kind of fight that superior force um, after binge or after eating my object foods. I could go out for a run. I could fight restricting. I could do, um, do a lot of things to, to balance it out. But I would still succumb to eating the foods again. Not that this was happening, of course, but just this was my life. This is what I did. And it's a lot of mental energy and physical energy away from other things that I could have been doing, would have liked to have been doing. And then that that force, that cycle, that spiraling um, went got, went faster and faster. And those the times between succumbing and being able to fight it were fewer in between. And I, I you know, to be honest, after a while. I just got and I couldn't fight it anymore. And that's when I just kind of threw my hands up. I gave in to the force, to that negative evil force, and stopped, stopped, stopped trying to balance that and started to put weight. It's just amazing how fast, how steady I could put on weight and didn't know when it would stop. You know, for me, it was about maybe two to five pounds a month over a course of a year, and I just was getting bigger and bigger. And I thought, oh, my God, I, I have no idea. And there's nothing I can do about it. And what a hopeless feeling, just incredibly hopeless. And um, so I'm going to end on that really depressing note because, <laughs> because of course, this is all about doom. This is all about that first step that, I'm powerless. I really felt powerless. And it's so important for me to remember how I could not fight this. I would never be able to fight this on my own. And I I didn't know that. And I just thank God I know it now, um, what the solution is and who I can turn to for help. And I'll pass. Thank you, Mary H. And I did want to give everyone a chance to know that we are reading from the doctor's opinion in the big book. We are on page XXVIII, paragraph four, but we're reading the last four, last three paragraphs. To them, their alcoholic life seems the, no, I'm sorry, they are restless, irritable, and discontented. And we ended the last of that paragraph with very little hope of his recovery. I have time and space looking at the clock for three people, maybe four. Jody EQ, Terry mm-hmm. H, Stephanie N, mm-hmm. Nadia B. That's it. Let's go with that for right now. Let's see. I have Jody EQ, Terry H, somebody in between Terry H and Nadia B. And I thought it was a W, last initial. Could you come back on the line and give me that information? Sam? It was Stephanie N. It was Stephanie Ann. Okay, I got that. I think that's what I, the rhythm in my ear that I heard Hello, too. Lisa. Okay, thanks. Hi, Jody EQ. Thank you. Hi, Melanie. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in California. I'll be brief. Um, so I'm going to focus in on that word they 
they are restless, irritable, and discontented. And why? Because I'm just surprised. It surprises me that Dr. Silkworth knows so much about us addicts. How does he know us so well? If he is not an addict himself, I don't know if he was or not, but he certainly observed thousands of alcoholics and addicts. So he really he really summed it up here, didn't he? Oh my gosh, how could a non-addict be so brilliant and so correct? It's just astonishing to me. Sometimes I forget that it's him speaking and not Bill. So yes, as an addict, I am restless, irritable, and discontented until I can experience a sense of ease and comfort which comes at once, yes, by taking a few bites of my alcoholic foods, but it also comes, as has been said beautifully by so many this morning, it also comes by working these steps. And for me personally, there's no time when it works better than when I'm working with a sponsee and together we're reading this book and we are, you know, the the lights are going off. It's such a beautiful moment. I love it. And I never feel so at ease and so peaceful as in that moment and so joyful. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Jody EQ. Terry H., you're next. Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H., a recovered compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Uh, beautiful day in North Carolina today. My dog is taking me for a walk, and it's awesome. Just amazing. Um, you know, I learned in the, as I was working through the uh, steps with my sponsor in this part of the big book is I learned on the line as well that from other people sharing that, you know, this works to come. You know, it's, it's those of us in that process of working through the steps who pick up, and we haven't recovered yet. We have succumbed to our disease. And, um, you know, over and over, many times I was able to get abstinent and start, you know, a process. However, each time I succumbed to my disease, every time. And, you know, once, and I was irritable, discontent, and restless at the beginning of my recovery because I didn't have my effect. I didn't have that effect um, that I was getting from my foods and my food behaviors. And... You know, once I worked through those steps with a sponsor who had a spiritual experience and recovered as a result of working through the steps, I, too, was able to have my spiritual experience. And today I have that effect, you know, through uh, being of service, of maximum you know, service to other people and being recovered and, and seeking my higher power and walking in constant companionship. That's the effect that I seek today, not the effect that I, the, the momentaneously, the, the minute or second effect I get from my food behaviors. And so I'm, I'm just really grateful that I don't, you know, I'm not in that. And, you know, I work my program to live on life's terms today. And, you know, it's just amazing. It's so amazing the miracles that happen each and every day in my life. Yes, it is challenging sometimes. It is. But, you know, if I'm seeking my uh, higher power and seeking that effect that I get from my higher power, you know, I can, I can do it. And, you know, I just challenge the newcomer just to, you know, continue to stay abstinent off those binge foods and continue to work those steps. Because once you get through that process and have that spiritual experience, life is amazing and freedom and serenity comes. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Terry H. Stephanie N., you're next, and then Nadia B. will close out the recorded part of this sharing today. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. Uh, this is Stephanie N., recovered in Kansas. Um, as I was listening today, I was thinking about an experience I had in college where I was a camp counselor, and I just felt really trapped that week. Like, I couldn't go anywhere, and I just felt so trapped and restless. And um, the last night, one of the um, we all, all the counselors went to the pool and one of the uh, ladies brought a bucket of candy. And I just remember 
they were swimming and having fun, and I was just sitting there with my feet in the pool eating, and I couldn't stop. And I felt embarrassed as my pile grew, but I, I just couldn't stop. And I could um, think of that same feeling as um, being a mom and just feeling kind of trapped, like I couldn't leave the house some days if I had a sick child or whatever. I just felt so trapped and um, restless. And when I came into program, my um, focus was, you know, just controlling controlling the weight and um, letting go of, you know, the over-exercising and things like that. But I didn't know that I could be free of the restless, irritable, and discontent. Um, I was just so used to it. I just thought it was normal, and I didn't know any other way to live. But when my sponsor told me that you can be free of that, you don't have to feel that way anymore, I, I really didn't believe her at first, but I thought, okay, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to see. I'm going to see if this will work. And it was amazing. As those feelings started to disappear and I was able to just be, to just sit and be and not be stuck in that feeling of being trapped in being restless, irritable, and discontent. And I can just sit now and hold my children or sit with a sick child or, you know, do anything. And I don't have that constant chatter in my mind anymore and I don't feel those feelings anymore and it is just the most amazing way to live I'm just so grateful um, for my sponsor telling me that because I don't know if I would have stuck with the program had she not told me there was another way to live and um, and I'm just really grateful um, for all of you I'm grateful for the program that I passed thank you Thank you, Stephanie. And, and Nadia B., your share will take us to the end. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you, Melanie, for your service. And thank you, everyone. What a wonderful meeting. Um, I just wanted to um, uh, share my experience. You know, I, I thought that restless, irritable, and discontent was just, um, you know, a feeling that only we addicts have. And today, I, you know, I see that feeling and um in uh normal people too uh and um it's not just uh you know all people feel restless irritable and discontent in at some point in their lives days um but for me what was different is the source of peace and comfort was also a venom that was killing me every day. And it was totally inadequate to deal with the restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. And the insanity is that I chose that um, inadequate source every time, over and over and over again. How insane is it? But it was so normal for me. I couldn't even see that um, any different um, because that was my life. That's what I knew. That's the only thing I knew, the um, inadequate source. And what this program gave me, what STAPS gave me, is the source of power. Um, the source that helps me deal with restlessness, irritability, and discontentment. It doesn't mean that I don't get it anymore. I still get restless, irritable, and discontent. But today, I have an adequate, um, adequate source of power that helps me deal with life. You know, this power is, um, you know, relieves me from this pain of daily life. And it doesn't kill me. It's not um, lying to me. Um, and uh, I am so grateful for the steps that, you know, gave me the gift of that source. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Nadia. And actually, because of those shorter shares, we have two minutes. Would somebody like to take two minutes to share or we can move to close? Yes, I'd like to share Marin Kay from Los Angeles. Okay. Oh, there you are, Marin. Let's go with Marin, please, and that will close us. Thank you. Yeah, I love this uh, restless, irritable, and discontent. I know that when I get, like, in life, restless, irritable, and discontent, 
which, believe me, were never recovered. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm a bulimic anorexic. I've been in the program 23 years. I... When I'm not uh, on the right path, I get restless, irritable, and discontent. And I need a psychic change. I had a psychic change. That's how I got better. And I got it through the big book. I got it through my sponsor. I got it through you guys. I got it through the meetings. I got it through outside help. I believe that um, the restless, irritable, discontent thing is something that has to be um, address daily and sometimes hourly. Sometimes all through the day I have to go back to my higher power because I'm getting restless, irritable, and discontent. And that's just because sometimes I don't get my way, and when I don't get my way, I become restless, irritable, and discontent. But on the whole, I would say that when I was using food and sugar and doing all of my behaviors, I was definitely looking for a way out, and I'm so grateful today to have the program, to be abstinent, and to not have to go to, I have other problems, but I don't go to my bulimia, anorexia, and my um, severe compulsive overeating to relieve that feeling when I get restless, irritable, and discontent. Thank you. Thanks, Marin. Thank you. That's a great way to close our meeting today. Thank you to everyone that shared for this recorded portion of our meeting. We're not quite done, so stay with us. But in the closing, we would like to have Jody E.Q. Please read from the big book on page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. And then we'll follow that with a serenity prayer. Good morning, Jody. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody E.Q., gratefully recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.